Good evening. I'd like to welcome you to our evening service. And uh, I'm sure some of you might have had to bring a boat to get here this evening, but you may not realize this, but it might snow tomorrow morning. Turn over to snow on the back end of this, so I'm excited about that. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started with a word of prayer, and then we'll get our service started tonight. Father, we are so grateful for this uh, work that you did this morning in our hearts as we were able to, uh, to be able to watch this cantata, and many of those who are here tonight were able to participate. Thank you for the message that was communicated uh, in those, uh, those moments that were put together. And I pray that you will work in hearts through that. Uh, folks that maybe do not know the Lord as their Savior, they never placed their faith in Christ, I pray that the things that they have seen and heard would, would really dig into their hearts and they would recognize their need to turn to Christ and place their faith in him alone. And then I pray that you'll bless our service tonight. May it be very sweet and Christ-centered and I pray that all that is done would bring honor and glory to you. And we ask all this in Christ's name, amen. All right, good evening, Anchor Baptist Church. Uh, what an appropriate song to start off with tonight. Page 201, Oh Come, All Ye Faithful. The brave, the weather coming out tonight, amen. Please stand with me as we sing all three verses of Oh Come, All Ye Faithful.
back to page 198. Follow along with us as we sing all four verses of Born to Die, Sing Out. seat and we're going to turn back 
A couple more pages, 196. Page 196, all four verses. Angels we have heard on high.
First verse, page 218, just a few pages back. How great our joy. Okay. Well, let's stand while we sing the first, second, and the fourth of How Great Our Joy. Thank you. 
while they're inside. Now, we drove two different boats on the way in today, but we are here, and it is good to be in the house of God despite what the weather is outside. And so uh, we are going to be uh, studying uh, Ruth this morning, this evening. So if you open to Ruth chapter 1, we're going to begin looking at the first couple of verses here in Naomi as we continue our studies of the Old Testament. Ruth chapter 1. And I will start in verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he, his wife, and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, And they came to the country of Moab and continued there. And and Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. Father, we are so thankful that we can gather together in your house on this day. Being able to be reminded of how you've worked in the past. uh, In the cantata this morning and just providing miracles. And yet that same God could meet with us here on a rainy December evening, to gather together and focus upon your word. Would the Spirit of God just take his word and apply it to the hearts and lives of his children, and that we can be blessed, encouraged, convicted, and just draw closer to you. And I am thankful so much for all that has been able to come or watch by way of streaming. And we thank you and praise you through your Son and our precious Savior's name we pray. Amen. Here in Ruth, uh, we start chapter 1 and verse 2. We're going to see how this family, they're going to have trials in Bethlehem, Judah. You know, in life, trials are given. James says, when you fall into adverse temptations. And if everything went according to plan every day of our life, well, one, it'd be right boring. Or two, we'd end up being spoiled brats. But here in life, the Elimelech's family had a challenge. They had a struggle. Let's look at this just briefly in chapters 1 and 2 as we're kind of going to introduce our way into Ruth and the family and their move. So in verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. So this is giving us some context to where Ruth starts. So during the time of Judges, which we just finished a study through just briefly, there was a cycle. They often call it a sin cycle where you would have Israel turning away from God. They were not living like they should. God allows another nation to oppress them. The Israelites would then cry out to God, ask to be delivered. And then God would send a judge or deliverer from 
whoever it was that was oppressing them at the time. And then some years would go by, they'd get content, they would go on their life, and then the cycle would start over, they start living and trusting in themselves and not God. And that just repeats about 12 different times in the book of Judges. During that time, very likely early on, I've read between Ehud and Gideon, so sometime early in the Judges is placed Ruth and Naomi and their family. So it's not odd for them to be doing what they want in their own sight because we could really summarize Judges twice. It says in Judges 17.6 and in Judges 21.25. Actually, if you look up, in my Bible, it's on the same exact page. If you look up to Judges 21.25, this is a great summary of the book of Judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Not happy. In my house, especially when the kids were younger, if we let them all do what they thought was right in their own eyes, we would have chaos at the Linder house. If everyone does what they want, it's a mess. And so that's the summary of the sin cycle of Judges. And during that time, it reminds us here, it says now, it came to pass in the days when the judges were. So during this time, people were doing what they wanted. They would serve idols if they want. They would just lie and cheat, adultery and idolatry and all these different things. They're just doing whatever they wanted because it's right according to me. Sometimes I think we're not so different today. I mean, the things that we try and say that are right today in our own, right, our, our own eyes is really almost unthinkable. Anything is possible to even changing your own gender and thinking you're something that you're not. I mean, I could think I'm a 6'3", 275-pound macho man. Is that going to change the truth that I'm nowhere near that? I don't know. I could identify as that, I suppose, apparently. But does it change what really happens? No, but that would be right in my own eyes if I just wanted it my way, regardless of the truth. It's those types of things. That is the context of which we find ourselves beginning here in Ruth chapter 1, during those days when everyone's doing what they want. So it's not odd that a certain man from Bethlehem decides, you know what, things are tough. It said there's a, in Bethlehem, Judah, so they went to sojourn in the country of Moab. So there's a famine in the land. Things are not going away. There's a trial that they're facing in Bethlehem. So instead of trusting God through the trial, he decides, you know what, I'm taking my family and I'm just going to do it my way. So it says there at the end of verse 1, of chapter 1, that from Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. When you look up what these words mean, so here, Bethlehem, Judah, he is going to leave the house of bread, Bethlehem, and Judah, meaning praise. So he's going to leave a place of bread and praise to go to Moab. I'll just read two partial verses about, it says about Moab in the Bible here. In, in Psalm 20, I'm sorry, 60 verse 8, it says, Moab is my washpot. It says a similar thing in Psalm 108 verse 9. Moab is my washpot. Now, you can use your imagination a touch. But he is leaving the house of bread and praise to go to the country of Moab to a washpot. Something that you would put waste in. 
something that you, <laughs> possibly, <laughs> he may be correct, whatever he's thinking over there. <laughs> but basically, it's something you want to get rid of. It's a wash pot. You just get rid of stuff there. And so the picture of this is he is leaving a place that he should not to go to a place that he should never go just because he's running into a hard time in life. When trials come in our life, we tend to do and to think things that we wouldn't ordinarily do. Things come our way, it's difficult. So we just make extreme decisions sometimes. And here we find ourselves like this man. There's, there's not much food. I'm going to go to where there is food. Sounds logical. But he is going to leave where he should be to where he shouldn't. You know how many excuses we could think of why not to be in church even tonight? It's been a long weekend. We enjoyed the cantata this morning. It's dark. It's wet. It's raining. There's probably a football game. Someone's going to beat somebody again tonight, probably, whoever it is. I mean, there's so many reasons just to stay home and not be in God's house. That's a small thing. But why would we give up small little things? Why would we leave the house of bread and a place of praise to go to do something that we shouldn't do? Elimelech here is leading his family away. Yes, there was a famine and difficult times come. Now, was he doing this just a temporary fix? You know, we just moved into our house. I'm trying not to do like too many temporary fixes but sometimes you have those temporary permanent fixes. Like, oh, I'll just put duct tape on that. You know, I'll duct tape it. I'll get to it later. Well, here, 10 years later, they're still there. I mean, that's how duct tape works, right? You have a problem. You just want to fix it real quick. So you slap some duct tape on it. It'll be fixed and I'll get to it later. And then the later never comes. There's still duct tape on it. When I, shortly after moving to Pennsylvania, one of the first purchases I made up there was a ping pong table. Oh, I would purchase a ping pong table. It was very heavy. And I was pushing it in with another young man. And we were getting a touch lazy. And we were just shoving. I, I was pushing. He was pulling. And it, you, know, you know those little, little, little strip where the carpet changes? We were going from like tile into carpet. And there was, the transition strip wasn't doing so well right there. And we were just like, oh, we'll just push. So I pushed really hard. And he pulled really hard. And what do you know? We ripped a little bit of the carpet. Do you know to this day, there's still duct tape on that spot? <laughs> to this day, I'm sure. It was last time I was there. Still duct tape. And we're like, we'll get to it later. Now, was Elimelech, was thinking, you know, I'm just going to go to Moab just for a little bit. Just, just until there's food back in the land. Just till next harvest. Just, just temporarily. I'm just going to take my family and go feed them in another place. He's trying to fix it his way. It, maybe it was a temporarily permanent change. But as you read through the text, 10 years later, it would be better had they just stayed where God had put them. Because we're going to look at some things that are going to happen here with his family up and coming. But they had trials in Bethlehem, Judah. It is possible, I don't know, it is possible that he was maybe a touch defiant like Jonah. Just, I want to just get away. I'm tired. This is, you know, God's country, and this is, the, and I don't have bread to feed my family, and this God thing isn't working, so I'm going to go somewhere else. It's possible. Jonah, I don't, want, I don't want those people to hear about God. I'm going to go the opposite direction. Is that what's taking place here? I don't know. 
But you and I both get that same way. Sometimes we're just doing a duct tape fix. You know, I'm just gonna do this a little bit and then, then I'll get it right. Or maybe we're just like, you know what, God? I tried doing that. I've prayed about that. I've talked to this person and it just doesn't work. I'm just gonna do it my way. And after all, everyone else is doing what is right in their own eyes. So he's not thinking he's doing anything wrong. I mean, after all, he's just trying to take care of his family. He's just trying to feed them. Does it matter where I feed them as long as they're fed, right? So here, for whatever reason, he is taking his family, uprooting them from the house of bread and praise to the country of Moab in a wash pot in God's view. And so they do. They move. So we see verses 1 and 2, the trials in Bethlehem, Judah. Now we're going to look at the trials in Moab. Some trials in Moab in verses 3 through 5. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpha and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. So here they move. Well, hopefully the grass is greener on their side. Things will be better once we move and get, you know, over there. At least we'll be able to eat. But they are going to a place where they should not be. And look what ends up happening. He ends up passing away. For what reason? I'm not sure. But he, he's, he passes away. Leaving his wife and two sons. Then what happens is his sons, this is why where you move and where you go, it could be so important in life. The influences you allow as a parent to your children, as a grandparent to your grandchildren, to nieces and nephews, to those in your family, where you go and decisions you make can carry over to the next generation. If you decide big decisions, oh, it's a tough time. We just will start skipping church this time. I'm using church as an example just because of the weather today and it was very easy to stay home. I understand that. But I was on vacation and, I, and Becky and I, we, we will never forget this to, to this day. We were on vacation in Washington State, you know, thousands of miles uh, from where we were staying at the time. And at first it was a little challenging for my family. You come all this way and yet you leave us, this family gathering, to go to church. Yes, that's what I'm doing. And I got some flack from the family for that. As the years went by, they just understood, okay, Sundays and Wednesdays, just Josh and his family, they're going to go to church, we get it. Okay, fine. They just plan it. Now they work around it, whether they like it or not. I, they, they, I think they warmed up to it. Um, now, well, now they just know. It's been consistent. But there was this one time we were leaving a family gathering and it's one of those times, ah, the kids are having fun and all the cousins are all together. This doesn't happen very often. Everyone's has a good time. And we're looking at the clock like, man, we have got to go. So we leave and we hustle in the church. And then in a little bit late walks one of my brothers. And that message was, I'm positive that my brother thought I talked to that pastor. He knew I knew him. But I thought for sure, my brother, he talked to this pastor and told him what to preach. 
because it was like even the illustrations, even the applications he was using was almost exactly something we had just talked about just recently before that. And I thought, it was almost one of those messages that almost made me feel uncomfortable because I'm thinking, he is thinking that I just told him and I'm sicking the pastor after him and I'm thinking, oh, this is not, do you remember that? Oh, I know she does because we, we were talking about that first. I was like, I cannot believe that. Even down to the illustrations, I mean, my brother's going to think I just gave him the sermon. Here, preach this. Okay. And I was, almost, I was almost embarrassed. But it was such a blessing, to at least to Becky and I, because we knew that that didn't happen. But just being obedient to be in God's house, in God's house, when you're supposed to be. It reminds me in Proverbs 27, verse 8. In Proverbs 27, verse 8, it says, As a bird wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Are we wandering from God's place of worship? Are we wandering from God's place in our personal walk with him? When trials and difficulties come, when it is more easy to make a rash, quick decision to relieve the moment or feel comfortable for the moment, what is the long-term result? Are we tempted to wander from the place that we should be? Elimelech moved and uprooted his entire family. I'm at the point now, I do not like moving. I do not like it whatsoever. And I've moved a lot recently, it seems like. I don't like it. I'm done. I moved into the house. I'm staying. And if I move next time, everything stays. I will take a suitcase, and I'll walk out the door, and the rest stays. That's about, you military guys, I'm glad they move you for you. They should. Because if you had to move yourself, no one would join the military just for the moves alone. I'm telling you, every three years, you got to up and everything and move it yourself. <laughs> I'm done with that. But anyways, all that to say, this guy, he decides to uproot his family, his two boys. He passes away, leaving his wife and two boys. And so you know what his boys do? You move to an area which shouldn't be. They're, they're moving to Moab. Who do you think his boys are going to be interested in? These young boys are growing up. They're now young men. Who are they going to marry? Are they going to travel all the way back to Israel? There wasn't bread there. Remember, they're telling us we came here because we were hungry. And now we're amongst all these, you know, Moabites. And she looks pretty and she seems nice. We've already been living here for these years. And it just kind of creeps in. That's kind of how sin works. It just creeps in a little bit. Satan doesn't always storm the front door and say, I'm here. Try and chase me out. Sometimes he just takes his big, ugly, hairy toe and stick it in the door a little bit just to leave a crack. Just to work his way into your life. He just wants a little bit of space. I mean, you're just moving to feed your family. It's not that big a deal. Then dad passes away. The boys grow up. And what ends up happening? He did something that they're not supposed to do. But you know what? Everyone's doing right in their own eyes anyways, right? Everyone else is doing it. Why do I have to do right? So what do they do? They grow up in Moab. Who do they think they're going to marry? They marry ladies from Moab. There it says in verse 4, they took them wives of the women of Moab. A no-no. If you're a young man from Israel, you do not marry outside of Israel. They did it anyways. And it says they dwelt there 
10 years. So they're there for a long time. So they run into trials in Bethlehem, Judah. They're running into trials here in Moab. They're not doing what they should. They're continuing to make unwise decisions. And then look at verse 5. Now both the two boys die. And the woman, at the end of verse 5, the woman left with her two sons and her husband. So in this short amount of time, she loses her husband and her two sons. So all she's left with is two daughter-in-laws. Not good. Especially in those days, it was not good to be a widowed woman. You wouldn't have, there was not a lot of privileges that you can enjoy without the man. And now she has two more mouths to feed and almost no way to do it. And that happens far too often where God allows a situation to happen to our life for whatever reason. We have to sit back and reflect on why am I here? What am I doing? And you know what? I run into difficulties no matter where I am. Difficulties, Bethlehem, Judah. Difficulties in Moab. What are you going to do with those decisions? And here's what she decides to do. In verses 6 through 9, we're going to see that she's going to travel back to Bethlehem, Judah. Look in verse 6 with me in Ruth chapter 1. And she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people, giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her daughters-in-law with her, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and lifted their voice, and they wept. So she decides to travel back home. Here's what's encouraging to me in this passage. They made a mistake in moving there. They made a mistake in making that temporary move a little bit more permanent. It affected the next generation, their boys. Now the husband and the sons are all dead, but here's what she decides. You know what? It's not too late to go back. Do you ever feel like in life you've made some bad decisions? Went a wrong place, said something that you shouldn't have, and you just feel like, I've already been there, it's too late, it's not worth going back. You don't think for a moment in all this that she decided, you know what, I've been living here, I've got a house here, maybe it's just better if I stay. But maybe she was like me on Sunday afternoon, she's thinking with her stomach. Again, she's hungry. You know what, I heard there's bread, I do have some family there. But then for a moment, you think, I'd have to swallow pride to go back to family. Sometimes that's a challenge in our life. We don't want to do what's right. Because once again, we're trying to do things our own way. I came out here, and and we're going to make a go of it. And I've been there. (laughs) Sometimes God moves you places, and you just feel like you just want to be stubborn and just make it happen on your own. Sometimes you have to swallow pride and recognize, you know what? It's okay that I made a mistake, but it might be a bigger mistake if I stay. That takes a moment of humility before God, especially when you're talking about moving a family. And you may have to swallow some pride and be like, you know what? I need to do what the Lord wants me to do. He wants me to go back and to return 
it is never too late to return to the Lord. It is not. That's where I love this passage in his grace. And when we, I don't want to fast forward too much in messages to come, but the great blessing of them moving back to Bethlehem and then with Ruth and Boaz and then Obed being born and then Jesse being born and then David being born. What we're seeing here, it's almost like a little bit of this morning with Zacharias leading the way, you know, in for, with um, John the Baptist preparing the way and preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand before Christ. Here we have a little bit of introduction of preparing before the great king of Israel. And here's what is even more amazing when you look at the grace of God and just fast forwarding a touch. When you look at this, yes, these young men married ladies of Moab, but it's incredible to see that they were included, if you read Matthew chapter one, in the genealogy. It's incredible. Start, you know, with David and then following through. Most of you read through our men. You just read Matthew one. There's very few women mentioned in the genealogy. But in God's grace, in their return, God used that. He is behind the scenes. Yes, we make our own decisions. And yes, sometimes they are not wise, godly decisions. But God in his amazing grace, God uses these circumstances, our difficulties, our mistakes, our, our, we went to the wrong place, did the wrong thing, and stayed way too long. But yet God can still use that anyways. And after all, aren't we all sinners saved by grace anyway? As long as we're not willfully shaking our fist up at God, I think he was like, you know what, I'll take you back and I can still use you. So he, she travels back with her daughters. And we see right here, you get, they start crying there at the end because now it's decision time. They get going on their way to return back to the house of praise, to, re, to the house of bread, and praise, Bethlehem, Judah. They're gonna leave the wash pot, as God says it twice in Psalms, the leftover, the waste, and return back to probably, you could argue, where they never went. When you look at the trials in Bethlehem and the trials in Moab and then deciding to go back, I think it is far better to stay where you are, where God has you, to endure the trials and let God work through the difficulty, through the challenge, and help grow you. than to try and fix it yourself, trust in yourself, but, but I don't understand it. Well, the Bible says to trust in the Lord of all Lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Now, it doesn't say, but do you think they prayed about moving to Moab? Possibly, I don't know. It's not mentioned in the text. But I think what we can gather here as we think about the trials, no matter where you go or what you do, it is better to endure the trial in the house of God and in God's people and in God's country, then it's to find your answers somewhere else. Sometimes we're too quick to ask Google instead of God. We're going to Siri instead of the Savior. Okay, <laughs> Guilty, I look up things, it's, it's easy. You just push a button, you say it, and she listens, and it pops up an answer. What happens when they start reprogramming all that stuff? Who knows? <laughs> but we go to these outside sources, we want to fix it myself. Guys, we never do this, I know. I mean, we know, I know where I am, honey. I know we've been driving in circles for the last 10 minutes, but I got it this time. It's okay to ask. I'm at the point now, I just want to save time. If I'm in Walmart, I'm like one of those guys like, hey, well, you ask them. And what, that's not like it used to be. You go to Walmart now and you ask for stuff. 
all they do is look at their little phone and be like, oh yeah, it's in this aisle, um, like G39. I'm like, I could have done that. Really? But we tend to go to outside sources to do, and just get, we get lazy, we get whatever. Why don't take time and go to God? During the trial, through the trial, and seek God's goodness and grace during it. Wonderful thing. So here we see here at the end. They went forth where they were, the two daughters, in verse 7, to return to the land of Judah. Now there is hurt, there is challenge because they've grown up there. These ladies now, as you know, Orpha stays, Ruth goes. And here's another thing to do. I know that they were probably doing the wrong thing, but God still used Naomi enough in the life of Ruth to say, you know what? There is still something different in Naomi as there is in the other ladies of my land. There is something different. She says, and the great line, I'm kind of stealing a little bit of thunder from somebody probably, but I want to live, you know, where you dwell, I want to dwell. Where you die, I want to die. I want your God to be my God and your nation. I want, I want that. Despite our mistakes, don't eat the lie of Satan that I've made a mistake so God can't use me. If you have, he's got you right where he wants to use you. Because you're, he's not, you're not going to do anything. Oh, I messed up. I messed up. That, that's how life goes. It's not the trials and difficulties. A lot of times it's how we respond. What do we do with the trial? What do we do with the challenge? So we're hungry. What, what are we going to do? We're going to run to the world? Google and Siri? Or God and our Savior Jesus Christ? What are we going to do? It may require a move. But one thing that's clear, if it's going to take you away from God's house and his church, I've seen people move for promotions. Oh, you know, they're getting up there in years and I can get this final promotion, but there's no church in that area. And it's of their own choosing. They are choosing to accept the promotion to go out of state, leaving a good church. And from personal experience, I've seen teenagers years later, and it just makes my heart melt. For a little bit of money. They just, I just want to feed my family. I just want to provide. What are you providing? Material goods? Or spiritual development and maturity in the next generation? So here, even with the young ladies, one decides, she's 50%. One is going to help or to stay. The other decides to, and, and the bigger picture of that is, am I going to go serve the gods of Israel? Or am I going to continue to serve the gods in Moab? And all this came from different trials in her life. There was trials in Bethlehem. There was trials in Moab. Now she's traveling back. This was about a 50-mile trek. This took seven to 10 days on foot, on rugged terrain. This isn't like hitting 50 miles on 97 or, you know, it, you, well, 95 would take you a long time. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't nice terrain, and it's all by foot. This was a big decision. Sometimes the right decisions are not always the easiest decisions. But we should and we ought to trust God in and through the trial and just watch God work as he did through the life of Naomi and Ruth. Father, we do thank you and praise you for you being a great and kind God. You are more than gracious. And you are so good. Yet sometimes you allow trials to bring us back to you. It doesn't always have to be that way. But Lord, we can of our own choosing just humble ourselves and decide to walk with you. I'm thankful for all those that are 
here physically, and for those that can't be here physically are watching online. Father, I just thank you that we can do the right thing at the right time and watch you work in and through the trials. As we're in a great time of year with Christmas and celebrating the birth of your son, but sometimes there's still much baggage and trials that are coming. Would we rest? Would we trust in you and watch you work in and through it all? And may we praise you and thank you through the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Pastor. It's a great story, the story of Ruth, and a lot of examples of God's grace, a lot of examples of the consequences of choices that don't seem like a big deal when we make them, but they, they will manifest themselves. And so a lot of very important warnings for us there. Uh, we're going to have a business meeting tonight, and so what we're going to do is close in prayer, and uh, actually we'll sing a closing hymn, we'll close in prayer, and then we'll take about a 10-minute break. Um, allow the folks that are in the nursery to come in. And so if anyone has children in the nursery, please make sure you go and get them so that they can come to our meeting. And then uh, we'll get started. So uh, closing hymn is 411, The Solid Rock, verses 1, 2, and 4. So please let's stand together and let's sing 411, The Solid Rock. since this morning I called on you and then I held back. Of course, the guys in the sound room said it's a good thing that's what I did because they wouldn't have known which mic was on and then it would have been too hot. So so you're good. Well, no, if you'd have prayed louder, it would have been really, really loud for us. So go ahead. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your love and goodness to us. Your love is uh, transcending in the way it affects our lives and the way we can show that love to others. Lord, we pray that we might be a blessing, especially at this time as we celebrate your birth, and we thank you for the cantata and all the work that went into it and the inspiration that it is uh, for others who may have never even heard the gospel. 
We just thank you, Lord, for the business meeting we're about to have. Just pray that you would be with our hearts in that. In Jesus' name, amen.